Let's word of prayer. Father, thankful for Jesus that He came and humbled Himself. Uh, the fact that He even came to the earth was an act of humiliation, but the way that He came, He did not come with a great amount of pomp and circumstance, but was born in a manger and, and born and laid in a manger, and and uh, He did it so that He could uh, He could grant us eternal life, and that He could take upon Himself the wrath that we deserved to take because of our sin. And so we praise You for Him. We praise You, Jesus, for Your uh, love and humility on our behalf. And Spirit, we ask that You would uh, help us this hour as we reflect on Your Word and our responsibility within this church to encourage one another and to strengthen them in the faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you have uh, we, we finished the study on evangelism and now we're moving to our next series of classes, uh, 13 classes should be, um, 13 classes on uh, what is discipling. If you've been a Christian for a very long time, then you have probably heard words like disciple and discipling, and they're used in all sorts of different contexts. And as we begin this morning, it might be helpful to, to get a better understanding of the images and ideas that, that that word brings to mind. So why don't you help me without looking on your sheet too much? Um, what do you think of when you hear the word disciple? Maybe a one word answer or multiple words. Okay, spiritual growth, discipleship. What else do you think of? Okay, basics. What else? Okay, sanctification, spiritual growth. Learning, because it's the idea of of being a student. Uh, much of what we're doing in this class, and and really in each um, each worship service, we're trying to look at the Bible and become students of it, learn what God has to say to us, and grow from it. And so there are a lot of ideas that that pop into our mind when we think of the word disciple. But most essentially in the Bible, a disciple is someone who follows. We could use a one-word answer and just say a follower. That's two words, but follower. Okay follower of Christ. Uh, obviously, you can have disciples of various things, right? You can have disciples of false gods. You can have disciples of um, various world leaders or whatever, um, even movie stars or athletes. But but what we're talking about is followers of Jesus, and that means uh, are disciples of Jesus, and that means followers of Christ Himself. So, let's start by considering biblically what some of the marks of a disciple may be, and this kind of will help round out our picture of what the Bible has to say about it. Um, certainly we might think of, when we first think of disciples, we think of the, the 12 uh, men who were uh, talked about in the, Old, in the New Testament, excuse me, and who had a unique role to, um, to learn from Christ and then to pass on what they had learned to others. But if we look at the broader part of Scripture, the, the Bible has a lot to say about a disciple of God. First of all, uh, a disciple is someone who responds to God's initiating call. Okay, this is at the very basic uh, elements of what a disciple is, and that's what I'm going to talk about this morning in our service. We are planning to do these three baptisms, and so instead of Daniel chapter seven, we're going to to look at what the Bible has to say about uh, belief and what the Bible has to say about uh, responding to the call. And one of the things that I'm going to say is that that 
no one can be a follower of Christ if they haven't first made this initial call like these three young people have done. And now what we want to see them do is grow in their faith. And that's what we're, we ought to be calling all unbelievers to do, to respond to God's initiating call. And that's something that we have to have first done if we are believers ourselves. We have to have first responded to God's initial call. Secondly, we need to, a desire to know what God says. Okay, they're, they're, I mean, just reading through the Gospel of Luke and studying through it together on Sunday nights has been helpful in that way. That that real disciples of Christ are people who know what God says and have a desire to learn it. Hebrews has the same sort of reasoning as well. That, that we can't just be passive or apathetic about our relationship with God, but we must be serious about our spiritual growth. Um, in the way that Hebrews says it later in the book, Hebrews 10, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Thirdly, a break from world, the world's standards. Okay, that Second Corinthians 5.17 is that the old has been passed away and behold, all things have become new. There should be a break from our former way of life. There should be a, a change from the way that we used to live and the things that we used to want to, to the way that we live now and the things that we now want. And so that should be a mark of disciple. Thirdly, or fourthly, a self-discipline. Okay, First Corinthians nine talks about Paul's talking there about, you know, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that that I am sanctified, so that I am growing. I I can't allow my body to engage in that sin, as John Owen says, if we're not killing sin, then sin is killing us. Right. So it's a process. It's a it's a great battle. Um, and so we need to have self-discipline. If we are not self-disciplined, we will not be a, a good disciple of Christ. Next is a desire to seek and encourage uh, other disciples. Um, and we're going to look at one of these passages, Hebrews 10.25, later. It says we need to spur on one another to love and good works. We're just trying to get an overview here. That's why we're not looking at all these passages. And then passion for evangelism. Last week I said... You know, when we concluded the, the, the session on, on evangelism, I said, really, evangelism is a subset of our larger responsibility of discipling. This is something that we all should be doing. Discipling is at the most basic of who we are as Christians, that we are followers of Christ. And one of the ways that we follow Christ is evangelism. And so we should be growing in our evangelism. We should get, be getting better at our evangelism. And then final uh, way that disciples are marked in the New Testament, or I guess one of the final ways that we, we're mentioning here anyway, is perseverance, that they continue on until the end. Okay, so those are some basic traits or characteristics of a disciple in the Bible, those who are faithfully following Christ. And so, uh, certainly helpful to think about it that way, but what we want to look at is we want to look at on a larger scale um, what does discipling look like within the local church? Okay, and this is not a single authoritative definition given in one place of the scripture. The scriptures don't just lay out a definition for a disciple for us. Okay, but this process is something that is so central to the message of the New Testament that we find it running throughout it. And and um in the New Testament we see the disciple-making process begin with John the Baptist as he prepares men and women for the coming of Christ. We see it as Christ starts to call people. 
when he calls people, what's the very first thing that they do? Like Philip and Nathaniel, right? They they go and get the people that they know and they tell them. They they start encouraging them along that way, and then and then they start working together. And as Christ leaves the scene, you know, after following his resurrection, you have the disciples encouraging one another, strengthening the believers. Remember Paul's Paul's. Uh, um, the way that Paul normally acted, his his regular uh, routine was to start churches in areas and then he would go back to those churches and strengthen the disciples. He would encourage them because he knew that they needed to grow. They, it wasn't enough for them to just be converted. And uh, we see this throughout the New Testament, throughout the epistles, and then you get the Revelation. You have Jesus even talking there in Revelation 2 and 3 to the seven churches. And he wants to encourage them. He wants them to grow and and to be strengthened in their faith. Okay, so um, as we talk about discipling, we need to to define the scope of what we have in mind. For this class, we'll be talking about uh, relational discipleship or one-on-one discipling. And uh, that means you and I relating to another person or two with the aim of improving them for spiritual good. And, And obviously, in many cases them improving us as well. It's kind of a mutual relationship that we take on. Um, so we should think of discipling on a, on a larger scale than just the one-on-one. Uh, what we'll be focusing on is the one-on-one, but we ought to think about it on a larger scale. And that is what we do together as a church. This is how I would say it. The primary way that discipleship happens is through the preaching of God's Word. As we listen to God, as we listen to God, God's Word together, we are being discipled. Okay, That's because why 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It, it does all these things for it. It corrects us. It trains us. It reproves us. Um, it instructs us. And so, for all those reasons, as we listen to the Word of God, it actually helps us all to grow. That's the primary way that discipleship happens. Now, there is um, obviously more that we can do, and we ought to be encouraging one another one-on-one, but the primary way that it happens is as the Word of God is open before us and we have it expounded um, as, a, as a congregation. And by the way, disciple-making happens during our normal worship service more than just at the time when I preach. It also happens during the song time. Right? In fact, the very command that we have in Ephesians and Colossians is to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Okay? But, but actually, the, 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 um, the command is sing to one another and make melody in your heart to the Lord. So actually, when you're singing, you are singing yes to God, but it should not be solely to God. You should also be doing it to encourage each other and... and uh, I think you've probably experienced that sort of thing, that while you're in a, a service, that as you heard the voices of other people singing truth of God, it encouraged you. And it should. Okay? That other people are singing praises to God and, and they're acknowledging what is true through song. And that's one of the, the prescribed means that God has, has given to us to encourage and to disciple one another. Uh, also, in our worship service, as the Scripture is read, uh, but in addition to that, it could be in uh, weekly opportunities to serve together, encourage one another, relationships that we have. Now, recognize that you can't disciple every other person in the church. Okay? You can't have a, 
a close relationship with every single person in the church on the one-on-one level, okay, which is what we're going to focus on. But, but you can do that in the congregational setting. You can encourage every single person who is there by your singing, by your attendance, okay, by your attentiveness as the Word of God is being preached. You know, if, if it becomes a, a yawn, a, a yawner every time you come to church, that's not much of an encouragement to other people who are struggling and saying, you know, I don't know if I should continue on here. This, this, this Christian life is just way too difficult. And if every week they see you, um, you know, snoozing it out during the, the service, then it might say something about uh, your desire to hear God speak and may actually discourage them from continuing on. Uh, what we should see here is uh, that every believer is called to the work of discipling. Okay, turn to Matthew chapter 28. I would argue that every believer is called to the work of discipling. When we went through our classes on theology, I, I said everybody is a theologian. Okay, Whether you are a good theologian or a bad theologian, everybody has their understanding of, of the doctrines of God. Even unbelievers do. They have an understanding of the doctrines of God. And they even speak them to other people. And you probably hear those strange ideas when you talk to them in your neighborhood or at work or around the, the table. Uh, and when we did, we went through the class or the session on counseling, I said everybody is a counselor. And that's true. That you are going to counsel people one way or other. Even if they tell you their whole situation and you respond with silence. Okay? You've counseled them in some way. Probably in a bad way. But, but uh, uh, you speak to them. If you affirm what they're saying, you know, if they're talking to you about their sin and you affirm them, then you're a counselor. You're just a bad one. Okay? So what we tried to look through is, okay, how can we be a helpful counselor? And that's actually a subset, by the way, of discipling. And the same thing is true about discipling. Everyone is a discipler. Okay, everybody ought to be uh, helping other people to grow. The question is whether we're a good one or a bad one. Okay, very few people are going to be called to preach. Okay, and that's just the way that God has designed it. That's not a bad thing. Okay, that's a good thing. Uh, we, if we're all preachers. That, you know, where would the congregation be? Okay, who's going to support the pastors? Uh, it just doesn't work. Only a few are going to be called to preach. Only a few are going to be called to lead in public worship. Only a few are going to be called even to teach a Sunday school class. But every Christian in every Bible-believing church ought to be deliberate and mutually encouraging other believers. Okay, there ought to be at least a few, if not many, people that you are discipling and wanting to see them grow. That, that you're praying for their spiritual growth on a regular basis and you're seeking for opportunities to talk to them. One-on-one discipling uh, fits in the larger context of what we're trying to do as a church. We're trying to make disciples of all believers. And that's what we see here in Matthew 28. And what you'll notice is that in several of our classes um, on these various topics, you know, uh, counseling, evangelism, now discipleship, one of our key texts is the last thing that Jesus said before He was ascended. Okay, One of the last things He said before He ascended into heaven. And it is this here in Matthew chapter 28. Um, and these are words that, that, um, that you're, you should, should be used to, but at the same time that, that should also encourage you as you think about the implications of them. The first thing that we need to see today is that biblical discipleship Sorry about that. Here's your blank for what is discipling. It is the intentional 
encouragement of Christians on the basis of deliberate, loving relationships. So those two words in there we're going to start with here, intentional and deliberate. It doesn't just happen. It's not an osmosis type of process. It doesn't just, you know, as I kind of bump into other Christians, discipling automatically happens. No, because we can, we can actually bump into a lot of Christians and talk about everything besides uh, what we, we should be talking about, okay? Encouraging them uh, for spiritual growth. That doesn't mean that needs to be all of what we talk about, but it should be, should be one of the main things that we talk about. So those are words you'll hear, hear all, often in this, this series of classes, intentional and deliberate. And this is at the core of what we're called to do. Uh, would someone read this passage again for us? Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Okay, so as we mentioned last time, our job is not simply to make converts. We want to do that. We want to give the gospel with a goal of or with a view toward making converts. We want to see people converted. But if we've done that, we haven't won. That's why these traveling evangelists who never um, point people to a local church have actually failed in their responsibility. They've gone around, they shared the gospel, made a lot of converts, but then the converts... um, don't end up getting attached to any church. They never end up growing. And it turns out that many of those are not even saved because those who don't grow are not saved, by the way. So uh, that doesn't help the cause of Christ. Okay, uh, Our job is to make disciples. Our job is not to simply make converts. We want to see them grow. That Look at the command there again in verse um, 19. Go therefore and make Disciples. So that's your blank there. This needs to be an intentional thing. It's not something that just happens. Okay, that that when a person comes to Christ, they automatically grow. It's just like with you, right? Does your Christian life require any amount of work on your part, or do you just kind of relax and let go and let God? Okay, no, no. Okay, you can tell by the the tone of my voice that that's. I think that's hogwash, that type of mentality, that we just kind of let go and God just takes over. He kind of infuses in us and we're just jelly and He just moves us wherever He wants us to go. Uh, Obviously, God is in control of all things, yes, but um, He never expects us to grow without our individual work. Just like, okay, back to the farming illustration, um, that, that the farmer doesn't expect God to just bring up volunteer plants all over his or volunteer crops all over his entire field, right? What does he do? He gets out there and he tills the field. He makes sure that it's proper soil so that it will be able to receive the seed. And then he makes sure that it's properly irrigated. Okay? And then he makes sure that it's properly removed from weeds and so on. He does all this work. And yet, if you talk to these farmers, you know who they they often say? You know what? God's going to provide. You know, when there's a drought, they, they trust that God is going to be the one that provides. Even though they've done... Wait wait a second. You bought all this equipment. You've done all this work. And yet they trust that God is the one who provides. 
And um, that's the way it ought to be with the Christian life. We shouldn't just sit back like a lazy farmer and say, I hope God gives me a large volunteer bumper crop. Is there such thing as a volunteer bumper crop? I don't know. <laughs> um, what's that? Weeds, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the point is that, that we should not expect that to happen in our church. Okay, that when we when people come to Christ, that all of a sudden they're just gonna sprout up and grow and and not have any problems with sin and and uh, not have any problems with trying to obey. They're just gonna naturally do that. Uh, it is a work. It is an effort. From you, just think about the time from when you came to Christ to where you are right now. Has there been any work or serious struggle on your part to get to where you are? Okay, and the point is that. We need to help other people along that way. That We need to make disciples. And the way that Jesus says that is first we baptize them. It's a responsibility there of the church as a whole. And then we teach them. And that's also a responsibility of the church to, to observe all that I have commanded you. But what I'm saying is as a congregation as a whole, we have a responsibility to do that. That we need to have a responsibility in taking part in that. To, to deliberately um, get involved in the lives of others to the extent that they will allow us and um, and to help them to grow. Turn to Hebrews 10 because here's the passage that, that we can't ignore. Again, another familiar passage, but um, the reason that we're looking at it is because it's really foundational to uh, foundational to our proper understanding of of our responsibility. Hebrews 10 and Someone read verses Okay, so the goal here is to, verse 24, the end of the verse, to see some other people grow in love and good deeds or good works. So what do we need to do in order to get there? Well, look at the verbal phrases here. Verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate. And that's the first one. And then second, verse 25, by not forsaking our own assembling. So, So don't expect to have spiritual growth if you're not assembling with other believers. And then in the middle of verse 25, encouraging one another. Okay, So we have three verbal phrases that all contribute to our helping, our intentional, deliberate discipling of other believers. It is, we need to consider what can we do. Okay, that, that's the idea of not sitting back and playing, um, you know, let's put out all the fires that, that come up. Okay, the the fires of conflict and that sort of thing. But rather, let's be proactive and see what we can do to uh, do formative discipline. Okay, Formative discipline is the opposite of corrective discipline. Okay, Corrective is they've, there's a problem when we're trying to correct. But the formative is, hey, let's get, them, let, let's get them out in front. Let's teach them in advance. Let's show them what could be coming. And if we're going to do that, verse 24 says we need to consider. Hey, so let's think. How, we can, how can we spur on one another? 
toward good works, or as the King James says, how do we provoke? Okay, and and why don't we just fill in the blank with someone in our church who needs to be provoked to good works, to love and good works. This person needs to grow in love and good works. Okay, obviously, there is an assumption there that we are willing to first ourselves take the plank out of our own eye, um, but assuming that we are uh, we are we have been discipled by others and we have received some level of spiritual growth ourselves, then we should be wanting to see how others can grow. And just frankly, what's going to happen is you're going to have to be willing to open up yourself to um, constructive and positive criticism. They can say, well, you know, I, I, I can see how I need to do that. You know, I've been wanting to talk to you about something as well. And that's always our fear. That's why we don't want to disciple, I think, a lot of times. We don't want to approach people on, hey, here's some things that, that, that we need to work on. Um, and that's why this next point is important, and that is that it's also relational. Discipling is also relational. This is part of the, the definition that we looked at, that is an intentional uh, relationship that we're building to deliberately spur them on to, to love and good works. Um, you know, we wouldn't expect to to be able to help someone who's who, who we don't have a relationship with, right? If we if we never see the person, or rarely see the person, or when we do see the person, we never talk to the person, or we never get past the the uh, the greetings and the the um, what do you call it? the chit chat type of talk that begins conversations. If we can never get past that, then we shouldn't expect that it's, we're going to be able to to help people um, relationally. So we develop relationships. And how do we do that? Well, how do we develop relationships in any part of life? What do we do? Develop relationships. Okay, you just talk to people. Okay, the way you develop relationship with people that you're closest to is that you just spend a lot of time talking to them. You spend a lot of time with them. You've done things together with them. Okay, so sometimes outside of the the short time that we have before and after the service, just spend some time with people and talk with them. And um, spend some time with the activities that we have here at the church or you know, stick around a little bit longer than, than you usually do or come a little bit earlier and you'll find that you're, you're being plugged into relationships and, and growing. Okay, um, The church is to relate to one another. We are all of one body, one house, one building, okay? And so if that's the case, then then it doesn't make sense when, you know, one brick from the building is over here sitting on the sideline. If we see that happening, we ought to do something about that. Now, what do we need to do to bring that person to the next level? That doesn't mean we need to get them, okay, this person, they're a member of our church. They're not coming to our church right now. They, they haven't been here in months, okay? We need to get them to a place where they're leading in the church. That's not the goal. Okay, that might be the final goal, but the, the the immediate goal is this. Let's get them to start coming back to church. Let's encourage them to to get there. And you kind of have to evaluate where people are and try to get them to the next level. Okay, if they're just sporadically attending, let's get them to regular attending. If they're just coming on Sunday morning, let's get them to come to every service. Okay, if they're just coming to every service but not doing anything, let's get them serving. Okay, and and you just find out where they are in their their uh, relationship with God and what can we do to help bring them to the next level 
And obviously, it's going to be difficult for us to do that if we're in one of these that are farther back here, that we're not really committed to the church. We're kind of just, you know, sporadically attending. Um, it needs to be relational. We, we shouldn't expect that, that people are going to just come into our lives and infuse in us this great spiritual wisdom if we never come to church or we never, uh, or I should say rarely come to church or we we rarely uh, develop deeper relationships with people. Uh, I need to go on because I actually need to, to leave a little bit early to get ready for the baptism. Third is loving. Okay. The goal here is not to turn a person into a project. Okay, you're my personal project. I need to get you to this area. And I don't care how you feel or what you think. It's not cold and utilitarian. Rather, it's it's the very essence of how God works with us. It is that, you know, God works with us by showing his love to us through sending his son and allowing us to be able to see his glory and he patiently waits with us as we we work through the challenges of life and he he prods us and he pushes us and he walks in front of us and and that's the kind of uh faithful service that we ought to have for other people a service of love here's how john says it in first john 3:16 this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for others now what does he mean by laying down our lives does it mean that we can give our lives as a sacrifice for their sin. Okay, obviously for Jesus that's what it did mean. Okay, that he did lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sin. But the example, the fo- the model that we're to follow there is that he gave up what was greatest uh, of greatest value to him, his own life, so that we could be advanced. Okay, that we could be advanced in our position to God from slaves, from enemies, to to um, to rulers, really, and to friends, family of God. That's what Jesus did for us. So what what can we give up? What? And the point is, I think we need to be willing to give up whatever it takes. We need to be able to lay down our life for our friends. That's, what, that's how love is displayed. Fourth, biblical discipling involves training in God's Word. Okay. It has both content to convey and application to make. And that's what I was talking about in second. Timothy 3.16, that it has a profit. In fact, the next verse, verse 17, so, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. So do you see someone who's not equipped for every good work, who's not actually doing those things? Well, the verse before helps you tell, tell you how you can get them there. Give them the Scripture, because all Scripture is profitable in that way. It, it causes the man of God to be equipped for every good work. And so, in its simplest in its simplest form, disciple making is pointing people to God's word. Okay, so if you don't get anything else in this class, get this. Disciple making is pointing people to God's word. It's not saying, you know, this is my sword and I'm going to or my club, okay, probably a better illustration, and I'm going to beat you over the head with it. But instead it is, listen, this is what we are called to do. This is what I'm working to do, and I think you ought to be working to do the same thing. Now, I say that in the tone that we're trying to correct somebody, but remember, we can also be doing this in a formative way. Hey, would you like to read through the book of Ephesians with me? You and I will just read through a chapter each time we meet, and we'll, we'll see what we can learn. And don't come with a, a goal of, I want to point out this sin and draw it out and 
put it on the table, smear it in their face, and you know that's not the goal. But rather, okay, what can we, each of us, learn from the Scriptures? And now what we're saying is not, I'm the authority, God is the authority. Okay, let's look at the Scriptures and, and let's see what we can both do to form our lives toward greater discipline, toward greater service. Now, obviously, implied in the word disciple is the idea that uh, you are uh, farther down the road in spiritual life, not chronologically necessarily, but mature, maturity-wise, you are farther down the road than the person that you're discipling. Okay? And that's the whole beam versus spec type of thing. It's something that you've worked through and you're helping them. But there also is a mutual discipleship that can happen as we do what I'm talking about here. Let's, let's be trained together in God's Word. Let's look at it together. Okay? There shouldn't be an air of pride and, you know, uh, I can't be discipled anymore. I've kind of reached my peak because there's not really anybody... It's farther than me spiritually. That that would be obviously uh, a, um, a a terrible way to, to think about it. All right. Any questions before we think about discipling as a pipeline? Okay. And you're gonna love this illustration that I took a long time to put together. We think about that. Okay. I'm not sure why it's blinking there, but uh, okay. If if the water here is God's truth, we're pointing in the pipeline, which is you, and God's wanting to get that truth to other believers. This is often how God does it, if not in almost every case, uh, most cases. Okay, God's trying to get His truth to other people, and He uses you as the pipeline. And so, what's so special about a pipeline? Okay. Christians who root themselves in God's truth are in a position to, to, to help others. And, and so we act as the pipeline, the conduit of God's truth. That We just say, and that's why I pointed up like this, you know, behind us. Listen, God is, this is what I've learned from God's Word, and now I'm just passing it on to you. I'd like you to see, I'd like to see this truth grip you. And at the end of the day, what can the pipe say about itself? See how good I, I transferred the water over into the, the believer? See how good I did that? You see how fast I got it to them? You see how fast they, they gripped it and grew? We have nothing to say, right? Because we say with Paul, you know, what do I have that I did not receive? And why do I boast as if I, re- if I received nothing? Hey, uh, he, I think he's talking about their um, probably financial gifts, but, but I think the principle applies uh, with, with uh, spiritual gifts as well, that we want to pass on the truth of God's Word to others. Okay, finally, it's a process, not a program. Okay, at the core of discipleship is intentionally helping others to grow in holiness. Okay, it's not a program. We don't okay, set up, here's a, a, a class, if you get through this, you have been discipled and now you can disciple others. No, it's a process. It's something that we all need for the remainder of our spiritual lives. And so, um, you know, it, it's don't think of it like, I will be happy to disciple someone as soon as there's a program that the church allows for me to do that. Instead, think of it like, you know, maybe I need to read through one of the books of the Bible with 
another Christian and discuss it. Maybe I need to read through a Christian book together with another Christian and discuss it. Maybe I need to, you know, go through one of these classes that we're taking here in this hour and, and then discuss it over lunch. Maybe I need to go have some coffee with this person in the church and talk about what we learned from last Sunday night sermon. It may mean for you married people inviting an unmarried man or woman over for dinner and talking to them about what it means um, you know, to, to to have a godly marriage and to be a godly parent when they're pursuing that sort of thing. Okay, there's all sorts of opportunities. The the practice really is wide open, but but we need to recognize that, in a nutshell, discipling is pointing people to Scripture. We don't have to we don't have to narrow it down to one small little thing and say, okay, that's it. That's the only way we can disciple. Uh, there's lots of different ways we can do that. Um, and so, as far as our responsibility. Uh, we need to be intentional and deliberate. We need to be relational. We need to be loving. And we need to make sure that we're training others in God's Word. All right. I, I'd i like to say a few more things about that, but I need to go. Any questions or comments? All right. Let's pray. Father, thank You for those who have invested their lives into ours even when it was uncomfortable. And uh, we pray that you continue to send people into our lives to do that. But Lord, help us not to be content with allowing others to spur us on to love and good works, but but to uh, to recognize that we have a responsibility as well to encourage others. Lord, you have equipped us to be able to do so, and uh, you are equipping us each time we hear your word. And, and so we pray that you'd help us to be able to humbly find other people within this church that we can help to grow and that we would do that and uh, faithfully and that, that the result would be that our church would be more unified and that, that we would be more glorifying to You and that uh, we would be presented as holy on that final day uh, when Christ returns. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.